Yes. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. We have a new episode for you today. Today we have Heather Vickery. Heather came to us through the algorithm and a back room where podcasters can talk to each other. So we're glad that the universe and technology brought her to us. She has a very interesting story. We were very excited to sit down and chat with her. And She's a doer, that one. She really is. And she could motivate all of us. Mm-hmm. Check out her story and check out her website. All of her information will be on our Instagram as well. She has lots of great things to offer to everyone. Here we go. Yeah, I'm gonna bring her in. Yeah, bring yeah. her in. Hi, Heather. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thanks. We've already been having a great time, so I can't wait to see where we go next. I know this is great. <laughs> so, Heather, tell us where you grew up and a little bit about what life was like. <laughs> Such an interesting question. Seems mm -hmm. so simple. Nothing's ever simple, is it? I grew mm -hmm. up in Indianapolis, and we used to call it Indian No Place. They have some, <laughs> I guess, kind of nice things now, but I've been gone a long time. I left at 18 to go to college, and I have not been back, and I turned 49 uh, last month. So wow, you really liked um, it. I just loved it. No, you um, haven't been back once since you left. Oh no, no, I've been back, but I've oh, not okay. lived there again okay. Okay. ever. Okay. No, no, I've been back. I have was the only child of a single mom, but I also had, I have, still have, two stepsisters, two ex-stepsisters, a half-brother and a half-sister, but I'm super an only child. So if you know anything about only kids, it's me. Yeah, Liz, Liz's hand is up, hand up. My mom was, oh, my parents divorced when okay. I was nine weeks old. Um, I love my dad. He's great, but it was always kind of a, you know, a weekend or a getaway parents. How long were they married? They were married for five years, okay. but then they had me and that was it. That was the catalyst. <laughs> they were like, I'm out. I don't know. Maybe my mom went through postpartum, but you know, it, when I think about the two of them, they definitely were not a good match. And then uh, she was with somebody who I loved a lot, but he was a great guy who was not a great guy. Mm -hmm. Found out year, well, he was abusive to her. So there, that was clearly not a great guy, very abusive to her, but good to me. And then we found out that he was like a notorious drug dealer like on the news. He got busted after they were divorced. Oh. That was fun. Sent to prison for 14 years. But his daughter is the only one of that sibling group that I have any relationship with at all. And I love her very much. And if she heard me say that about her dad, she'd be real pissed. So I'm not going to send her this. <laughs> And then my mom got remarried when I was 14 and they've been together ever since. And I do love him dearly. He is an amazing father, but you still kind of have that single parent thing. Even when there's a second parent or a step parent, that vibe does not yeah. go away. Um, the, you say that he was abusive to your mom. Did you ever see anything like that happen or was that something you found out later? I didn't see it, but I heard it. And we, you know, my mom always did her, but she was very young when she had me. She was 21. Um, She always did her best to make everything feel like an adventure. So we got to know all of the inexpensive, but kind of nice, you know, Hampton Inn kind of hotels all over greater Indianapolis. And she'd be like, oh, we're going to go and have a sleepover at a hotel. And she would try to make it fun. And we'd get breakfast. And I can remember getting dressed and ready and going to school from there. And we did that a lot. Yeah. Because she would leave, but she would, she would go back. That's um, that's a lot to a lot. handle and process. And yet, like how great that she was able to protect you in a way to come up with this. Let's just go on an adventure. And I'm sure that you felt the 
insecurity or, or the instability of it all, but not in a very conscious way, like more like in the background, right? Super subconscious. Yeah. You know, look, it's as I have four kids and as a parent, particularly as a mother, it's so challenging to balance all of those differences. Like my mom did a lot of things that I wish she hadn't done and she made a lot of mistakes. And there were times where I was very, very angry with her. And now at 49, I have a, you know, a young adult kid. She's still a teenager, but three teenagers and a 10 year old. And, And I think, God, she bent over backwards to love me, to protect me. And yes, she made a ton of mistakes, a ton of mistakes. And there are things that I'm like, yeah, oh God, here goes my mom, right? Like it's so frustrating and annoying, but I never, ever doubted that I was deeply loved mm-hmm. ever. And that I think is the foundation for being able to love yourself. You That's have to have been loved. For sure. It's 100%. the most, most valuable gift that she could have given you. Cause you cannot remake that. You cannot find that somewhere else. You cannot, it's something that you can spend the rest of your life trying to go back and repair. That's also like the beauty of life, you know, the full circle of like, you become a mom and you start seeing that perspective, <laughs> right? And you're like, I feel like I'm Absolutely. 25. And then they come to me with questions. I'm like, oh, man, I'm responsible for this. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine our parents. I know, you know, I know. All parents make mistakes, right? And when you are a parent, then you yes. realize we're all just making this up as we go along. Yeah. With the baseline that all parents are going to make mistakes in some form, then as long as you have that foundation of deep, unconditional love, if yeah. that's the only thing you give your child, yeah, that's enough in a lot of ways. I think so. But I think it takes a while for the children to realize that because it's very hard to be on the receiving end. I've apologized to my mom a lot of times, actually, since my kids turned into teenagers in particular. I'm like, oh, damn, like this is really hard. And also I was an (laughs) asshole and I'm sorry. But this perspective of and it's helpful. I see it with my mom, but I see it with my clients and my kids and with everyone. This perspective of we are all really just doing the best thing we can with the information mm-hmm. we have right now, like nobody's out to get you. Nobody's trying to fuck you up. Nobody's trying to hurt you. Like we are all just doing the best we can. And that has taken me years to get to. And as a transformational success coach and mentor, that's like the biggest thing for me to model for other people is, you know, we're all just doing the best we can and other people's behavior isn't actually about us. It feels like it's about us. It's not about us. We're exactly. all trying to take care of ourselves. And there's so much freedom in that. Oh, yeah. As soon as I go, oh, I don't have to be responsible for all the mistakes my mom had made or for what my children think and what my children feel. It doesn't mean I don't care, but I don't, yeah. I don't have to own that. All of a sudden, there's freedom. Also, like letting go of this sort of, I know what's going to happen. I know because I know because it's going to be like this. I'm certain. Even though lived experience maybe tells me I'm certain it's going to be like that. Letting go of that knowing and moving into, I don't know, let's find out. Let's see what's possible. It's freedom, which is my word of the year for 24. So there you go. Oh, I'll embrace it. Oh, that's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. And it's freedom for, not freedom from, for me, freedom for all the things I want. Yeah. So fantastic. I want to go back, sorry, to your mom gets remarried when you're 14. So by the time you were 14, you're getting a little more stable, like routine kind of life. And you're still in Indiana. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And this is 
not here or there, but did this guy that went to jail ever reach out after that? Yeah, you know what? He loved me. This is where you understand the complication and nuances of being human. He did bad things, like bad things. And But he was like, I never sold drugs to kids. I'm like, yeah, but the adults who sold drugs who sold drugs to kids, but whatever, right? Like trying to make a living, trying to do this and that. We find ourselves in situations that we wish that, that we weren't in. Yeah, he sent me yellow roses on my birthday every year of my life until he died. And when he was too sick and old to do it, my sister would send them on his behalf. Yeah, it shows. People are complicated. We are more than just one thing. We are. We are. And we're not always defined by our biggest mistake. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that, that I can or that anybody should forgive him for those mistakes because I think a lot of lives were damaged or, or ended because of it. But it isn't all that we are. Yeah. And we can. And, and I do believe in rehabilitation. Like, I really do believe in that. I want, I know that people can change and I know that they can make different choices. And I, one of my very favorite Ted Lasso quotes, and I have a lot of favorite Ted Lasso <laughs> quotes, is from season three where he says, I hope that all of us or none of us are judged by the worst mistake we've ever made, but by the decisions we made after we made that mistake. Mm hmm. Man, I love Ted Lasso. I, I don't think I got that quote verbatim. So if you're listening and you love Ted Lasso, don't come at me. But it's pretty close. <laughs> I, think did it, I think you did a pretty good job because yeah. I remember it. It's true. Yeah, I mean, we're we're quick to judge others and we're quick to judge ourselves. The quickest to judge mistakes, ourselves. Right? The quickest, yeah. which is actually the foundation of all of my work. That's the core foundation of all of my work is building a foundation of worthiness and love from the inside out instead of looking for your answers everywhere else. And that does not have to be expensive. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. I want to, that's why I want to get to how you got there. Okay. I want to know, was there spirituality? Was there religion? Was there any kind of form in touch with a higher power in any way growing up? No, we were what uh, we called priesters some years. You guys know what that means, no. right? You go to church on Christmas and Easter. Oh, okay. Um, but that was sporadic. Uh, my mom was raised Christian, going to church. We didn't. My dad is born again Baptist or Southern Baptist, then moved into born again. That was really interesting. So I went to church when I was with him. Even had to go to summer Bible school, um, and I stole stickers. And then I got beat with a belt because. You're not supposed to steal from Jesus. You're not. You're not supposed to steal from anyone. I know. I know. But especially I not somebody. Especially not Jesus. I wanted somebody to pay attention to me, and clearly nobody was. Mm -mm. <laughs> so no. So my mother and and I both have very deep connections, sixth sense, intuition. My mom has seen and felt spirits for as long as I can remember. And that's always just been a very normal, common thing for her. And a couple of weeks ago, I said something about us being witches and she flipped out. We're not that we are not witches. I was like, oh, but we are. And she's like, why? We, no, what? I can't. I am not a witch. You cannot say that about me. I'm like, OK, like, it's fine. Like we, the kind of thing where I would get in a car accident and she would call me and say, are you OK? And I would say I was in a car accident. She'd say, no. Yeah. Like we just know. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, she had to put her dog down and I didn't know that she was going to. I knew the dog was sick, but I'm sitting at my desk. I'm working and all of a sudden I just, the sadness, just, I can feel it right now in my body just overwhelmed me. And I laid my head down and I started to cry. And I, my partner's like, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. And a few hours later, she called and she told me the exact time that the dog had gone. And that was when. Hmm. So like 
talk about spirit, like there's something there, yeah. right? That's not a mistake. Yeah, no. So you go to college, in touch with your intuition, I was going to say, but that sounds terrible. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was in touch with my intuition, but I had no awareness of being in touch with my intuition. Mm. I do have good spidey senses and instincts. So now I have language, right? I'm certified in human design. I'm what's called a splenic projector. And the spleen is my authority. It's my decision-making. And the spleen is the oldest anthropological safety mechanism forever. It's a instant awareness of this is not safe for me. Hmm. That's what my spleen tells me. So all of those times where I just knew like, mm, nope, not going in there, not doing that, not making that decision. I didn't know what that was. I just kind of always listened to it because it felt right. Now I have language, which is which is really nice. There's, there's a perk to being a grown up on occasion. So I don't know that I knew. And I was still young. And I was still in that do what other people want you to do phase, which takes a long time to get out of it. Giving, can I, I can curse, right? Oh, yeah. Get, giving a lot of fucks, right? Now, you know, something magical happens when you turn 40 and you're like, zero fucks. I don't care yeah. anymore. It doesn't matter. I can skip to the good part. Like I'm um, an out lesbian, but I was married to a man for 10 years. I have four kids because that's what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know. People were like, did you know? I didn't know. I should have known. There were signs. I missed them. Uh, my intuition didn't give me any anything there, except society overrides that, I think. Right? I agree. Mm -hmm. What's happening? I didn't know. I knew gay men, but I didn't know gay women. And I wasn't around them. I always joke if I'd found them in college, maybe we would have a different story. Yeah. But I, they, I don't know where they were because they weren't with me. Yeah. And everybody else is getting married and having kids. So I wanted babies badly. Yeah. Um, I can't remember a time where I didn't want babies. Now I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? No, I love my children. children. I love you very much. You're just killing me. And that's just what, you know, he was a really, really nice guy. I didn't see some of the things that I see now back then. We liked each other. I mean, I think we thought we were in love, but in retrospect, I know that we weren't. Both of us know that. Uh, and that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah. So you finished college and you moved to Chicago by yourself? I did. So I originally started looking for jobs in Chicago. This is kind of a random story. I don't know that I've ever told this on a podcast. My cousin, Scotty, who I love very much and was raised like a sibling, who he passed away several years ago. He was living in Germany and I went to spend spring break with him my senior year in Germany and met a man, a young man, but a man. And uh, we had a, a whole fling while I was there and he was going to be moving to the States to an Indiana town that borders Chicago. And that is why I started looking for jobs in Chicago. And then he did like old school ghosted me. This was in the late nineties y'all. So right. You know, no, there were no cell phones. Like it was like international. It was intense. He old school ghosted me. So yeah, I moved to Chicago. I did not know a single person. My mom brought me to apartment. Huh? We, I found an apartment. I had a terrible job. The job was selling copiers. And I say that very intently. I did not sell any. That's just what the job was. <laughs> <laughs> not a one? I don't think I sold one. So for three months, I was on um, a draw, $750. I earned $750 a month. That was my whole income, made nothing else. Mm. This was in 1997. What I did though, my my territory was in the loop. If you know Chicago, it's like the financial district. And what I did was walk those damn streets and go in those buildings all day, every day for like six months. And I learned Chicago inside out and backwards, which was great. I also met the woman who would become my lifelong best friend, like a sister, our children are raised like siblings. We spend every holiday together. 
I met her at that job. So I'm sure that's why I was there. Mm-hmm. Right? Intuition, mm-hmm. spirituality, all of that. I'm sure it was there. I was there to meet her. And then I left that job to go and work for the American Cancer Society doing events, which it was my skill. I worked for the young professional, sorry, I worked for the American Cancer Society in college. I was on their board in my small town mm. in Ohio. Um, events were my thing. I was the events chair in my sorority. Like I know events inside out and backwards. So I did that and that started a whole trajectory of event planning. And I learned very quickly out of college. I had a lot of jobs in quick succession that while I work well with people, I don't work well for people. Hmm. So from the American Cancer Society, I went to Special Olympics, Illinois, and I was the director of sports marketing events for the state there, which was a cool job. And I got to meet a lot of cool people. That's awesome. Really hard work. Wonderful organization. And then I went to a company called uh, ICM. We did business conferences and I was an event producer for them. Terrible company, horrible people, but very cool because I got to stay in a lot of cool suites. When I say, here's what really random, this is not relevant to your podcast at all, but I never get to tell this story. This is so cool. We were doing an event at the Plaza in New York. And because I was the event producer, they would always put me in these spectacular rooms. So I get to my suite, my two bedroom suite at the Plaza. My butler meets me there, shows me the doorbell. And checks me in, and on the desk is custom stationery, Miss Heather Vickery in residence wow. at the Plaza Hotel. Yeah. So I know I sent my mom a letter. I was like, you got, I gotta send my mom a letter, right? I wish I had a piece of that somewhere. I don't, I don't know. Oh my god, that's so cool. But like, I was like 23 years old. It was so cool. Nice. It was okay. just amazing. So terrible job, terrible people. But I got to do a lot of really fun things and travel all over the country. Then I opened the W Hotels in Chicago and I did special events and weddings for them. All of that between graduating at the age of what, 22, four years later, I was like in and out of the workforce in four years. I was like, nope, not for me. But I started my own luxury event and wedding planning business with the connections that I'd made doing events in, in Chicago. And I don't know how, I think Liz and I talked about this. I'm like, I look back, I'm like, how did I do that? We didn't even really have the internet. We like kind of had the mm-hmm. internet. We didn't have the internet like we have it right now. No. For sure. There was no social media. We didn't have cell phones. Like it was crazy. And I built a really successful, thriving event planning business out of thin air. Well, I think it's all like personality and connections, right? So, I mean, if you yeah. you seem very outgoing. We're not shy. <laughs> I am an introvert, believe it or not. But um, I feel not like shy. you put your game face, you know? It's time to go to work, yeah. game face on, let's go. Let's solve this. Well, let's COVID taught me that. COVID taught me that I was an introvert because I did not miss the people mm. mm-hmm. at like, I'm like, oh, do I have to go back to people? Like, this is fine, but having to leave my house and go to be Actually, I love being on stage and I love events and I love to travel. But what I have learned, and this comes from human design language too, is that when I am talking about things that I feel passion for, that I really know and I understand, I don't have to put a game face on. It's just honest. Yeah. And I'm not right. afraid. It's just people just wear me out. That's all. Yeah. Legit. And that's and that's fair. Yeah. And I think more than one person <laughs> listening and us can agree. Right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Sure. You need to recharge. When you get married and start having your children, I got married at 28. Okay. And had my first daughter at 29, but I was almost, she's born in October and I turned 30 in December. Okay. Because you said you were together for 10 years. Was this part like 10 years married? Or yeah. Were you? Um, we were married for 10 years. We were together for 14. 
15 years. Yeah. We got divorced when I was, well, I came out like fully at 38. We got divorced at 39. Throughout this marriage, did the whole realization of I'm not happy, how did that process come to be? No, you know, he's a nice guy and it wasn't about him. We were not a good match. Um, that became apparent fairly quickly. So I think that there were two parallel situations happening at once. Mm -hmm. The other was as I got older, the way that I really realized that I was in the closet was it became more and more apparent that the way I felt about women wasn't the way other women, straight women felt about women. And I say that because in our society, the way we look at each other, the way we talk about each other, oh my God, you're so hot. Oh my God, so sexy, so gorgeous. I didn't know that the way that physically felt inside of my body was different than the way a straight woman would say it because everybody was saying it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And so it wasn't until I was like, wait, 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 wait. This is different. This is something else. And I was for sure in my late 30s before I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. And we weren't very happy. But also, I didn't plan to go anywhere. I didn't plan to do anything about it. Like, this was the life. I had beautiful children. We had this big fancy house. Like, was not going to do anything about no it. No way. You were like, okay, well, this is how I feel, but this is life. We move on. Yeah. Keep planning yes. weddings. So we know that's not what happened. It's not. No. That's what happened. He found out and I instantly went into, and I, this is in no way bi is real. In fact, most of our population is bi. Like I'm not a bi, I'm not here for bi erasure, but I did the, oh no, I'm bi. I want, I don't worry. I want to stay married because I just needed to backpedal. I needed to figure it out. I knew that that wasn't true. And we tried really hard to make it work. We did all of the things that we could to make it work. And, and in the end, I felt I really have tried as hard as I can, mm. short of just doing something that made me miserable. <laughs> so I feel as good as I can about getting a divorce. We don't get married to get divorced. I didn't want to. But the moment that everything changed for me is I just, I, for years, I just felt more afraid. I felt smaller and smaller and smaller mm. and smaller. And every decision I was making was fear-based. Um, what will cause the least confusion or trouble? What will hurt the fewest people? None of it was anything to do with me. And I just I felt super broken. I just didn't like myself. I didn't like anything about my life, even though I adored my children. And there was a morning in particular where I was sitting at the breakfast table with all of them. They were little. My, my baby was baby baby. And I thought, what would I tell them? If they came to me mm. in this type mm. of situation, what is the advice I would give them? hundred percent. And it wasn't, well, you made your bed, now sleep in it. It wasn't like you picked this, suck it up. It was, baby girl, go out and own this world. We're waiting for you. Everyone is waiting for you to show up. Yeah. And in that moment, I went, oh, no, if I want them to do that, I have to do that. Like, that has to be my choice. Yeah. And it gave me freedom. And I, for years, I would say that I made this choice for them. And then a couple of years ago, my oldest daughter said, I need you to be honest. You did not do this for us. You did this for you. It's and true. So I mean, and again, I did. I did. more than one thing can be true too, right? Like, Absolutely. Exactly. I did. And I said, you're right. I did. Um, but it would have killed me. And I did not think that a dead mother was a better choice for you than a divorced one. And in the long term, when you come through your fork in the road and you find yourself against your wall, you can either think about your mom who kept going back to a guy that was not good to her, or you could not in your case, but I'm talking about her grandmother, right? Like, yes, yes. I'm just saying like you were raised with a mom that stayed, even though the situation was bad, as long as she possibly could tolerate it and eventually left. And you basically did the same. And your kids are growing up with 
the opposite. Like, hey, right. I'm standing up for this. You can change. You can go out and be happy and, you know, show yep. up yep. and not put your head down and deal with what you were dealt between quotes, right? Because it's not exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's taking ownership of it. And, you know, I'm certified in NLP and we call that being of cause instead of in effect. Like, yeah, all of these things happened and a lot of them sucked. And now what do I want to do about it? Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be in this situation? What are my choices? Because I have, I, that's what I have control over is what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? What choices do I want to make? And um, yeah, I did it for me. And as a result, I did it for them because I know that caring for myself makes me a better person. You know what? Not everybody has to agree with it. That's okay. Well, and it gives you an example that it's okay to care for yourself, right? Because of what you just said, we're always catering to everybody else's Mm -hmm. wishes or fears or whatever it may be. Like, look at me stepping out of my fear and choosing out of like my will. It's amazing. A great gift. It's a great example to have around. Well, thank you. Sometimes yeah. it's still really hard. I wouldn't have made a different choice. My tough days now are better than my best days then. Mm-hmm. Minus one situation. When your children are hurting, it's hard. That's really the hardest time too. Yeah. My 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 affirmation that I chant all day long, no matter what, is other people's behavior is not about me. Other people's behavior is not about me. <laughs> but when your children are are hurting or angry with you. Yeah. It's really hard to separate yourself from that. You are going to be the receiver of it. That's unfortunately how it goes Yes, in motherhood, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because that also, I think, shows that you're the safe space, right? If not, they wouldn't do it. Yes. I like to think that. I I always knew that when they were little, they were tantrums. I was like, oh, but boy, it's hard when you're the whipping post when they're older. So if you're listening and your kids are like, like, I feel you, I get that. Mm -hmm. And I long for an easy adult relationship with my kids. I long to be the one that they call to chat with and this and that. And that may just not be the the relationship that we have, but I don't, it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of love and that we wouldn't do anything for them. And And that's the key though, right? Going back Mm -hmm. to what you said from your mom, just the unconditional love, right? Like they'll come back because if there's unconditional love, they'll, they'll meet you, you'll meet them, they'll be there. The different things that you do, the human design and the neuro-linguistic programming. Were you dabbling in these things while you were still, while you were still married and living that life? Or have you just sort of jumped into all of this in the last 10 years? The short answer is mostly no. Now I did have that intuition that I mentioned earlier, and I, I really have as much as I can been aware of it and followed it. It's been a great thing to have. But I wasn't paying, I was hiding from myself. So I wasn't paying attention to anything. All all of this stuff that we're talking about requires massive radical self-awareness and self-love and self-compassion. And I didn't have any of that for myself. So it wasn't until I decided those are things I wanted that I began discovering all of this stuff. And for me, it wasn't until I hit rock bottom. And I think for a lot of people, that is the case where it hurts so badly that I will do anything to mm-hmm. shift it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what what really started it all for me was gratitude. I started practicing gratitude and then I started learning about positive psychology and the science behind gratitude. I really love, I am so spiritual and I will follow and believe because it feels like the right thing. But I love that as we move 
as time passes, science is like catching up with us. We're all of a sudden we have all of this scientific mm-hmm. evidence that all of these mystical spiritual things are mm-hmm. real. And yeah. it's so cool. And I and then they show me the science behind it and I go, but I've always known that. How did I know that? So, you know, getting certified in positive psychology and understanding the power of gratitude. That's why you guys, this is an audio podcast and not video, but right above my head are the two gratitude journals that I wrote and and produced. Science proves that gratitude is literally the only thing that will instantly, not instantly, take several months, but will shift your um, parasympathetic nervous system. It'll stimulate it. It'll take you from feeling sad and lonely and depressed. This isn't about clinical depression, but into feeling connected and increasing overall joy and well-being. Take an MRI of somebody's head and they've never done gratitude. And then they have a daily gratitude practice where they list three to five things they're grateful for and why every day for three months. And then they do another MRI. You can literally see the changes in their brain. You can see that they're happier in their brain. But I do gratitude with my clients every single time. And I can tell you it shifts people in the moment. And I have been able to build that into my life when I find myself really stressed or really overwhelmed. If I will just stop and take a deep breath and start listing things I'm grateful for, I can feel myself relax and calm down. It just shifts you because your mind cannot hold negative and positive at the same time. It's just not possible. Try it. I knew that. And also I knew that the brain is trained, right? It's a muscle. So if you're thinking negative, then more percentage of your thoughts become negative. But if you train it to start thinking into gratitude and positive, then you can do exactly that. Hold more space with the positive than the negative. I, I read about it. Yeah, it's it's vibrational too. Super vibrational. In 2022, the Nobel Prize for Physics went to three physicists that have been able to prove scientifically that the universe does not locally exist, that we experience it like a hologram. That will blow your mind. That I when I people are like, "Wait, what? I need to sit down." But what yes. that means is just like the speed of light or the speed of sound. It means that what's out there in our future is being created right now. And that's why it works. Be the person now that you want to be. Say the things that you want to be true. Create it now because that's what's coming. That kind of stuff is amazing. That I also just um, watched a video on TikTok, but it was really cool. And I researched it because I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So scientists have been able to measure vibration. So you talked about that, like they're catching up with our energy and our vibration Mm -hmm. and isolate people. And they were, you know, so they're proving the law of attraction what you give out, what has, what comes back. The most, the highest vibration that you can give back, give out. And the one that comes back the fastest, do you guys know what it is? Can you guess? I'm guessing gratitude, love, laughter. Love was my guess as well. It's authenticity. Mm. I love that. And, And it makes so much sense to me because as somebody who wasn't authentic and now is authentic, People react to me so differently. People connect with me so differently sure. because I've connected with myself differently and we give off that higher vibration and that higher energy. And when you're not authentic and when you're not living your true self, you kind of have like a gray cloud on top of you like that blocks this connection, right? Like things won't happen. But there's also this feeling where you're like, well, thank you for this crisis or mishap or tough time because it open up this world of possibilities that you weren't even thinking about, right? Like you were in a different mode. Well, because if you're not authentic, you can't actually, or it's very difficult to 
actually have real connection. You don't have real connection because nothing's, it's, it's not based on reality. Yeah. If you're not yeah. who you are. Yeah. Tell us about this human design business. Very, mm. You gave me, when we chatted before you gave me the super, super quick and dirty, um, but it sounded so fascinating. <laughs> Human design is probably the most profound thing I've discovered. And I love all of it. I love the science. I love gratitude. I love every. I clearly I love to learn. I'm like, oh, I'm certified in this and I'm certified in that. And that makes sense once you understand my human design. <laughs> See, it all ties in. So human design is a modern self-discovery system based on several different ancient philosophies. So it is the combination of the Chinese I Ching, Kabbalah, Buddhism, quantum physics, astrology, and the chakra system. Nice. You see all the things. Yeah. It's all right? the things. And so we pull it. It sounds, it's very woo-woo-ish. I get it. It sounds crazy. We pull it from your birth date, time, and location. But it's not, I mean, astrology is a component, but it's not astrology. And I am not an astrology expert, although I have some friends who are, and they're very cool folks. So when I pull your chart, you send me that information. I pull your chart. I can tell you things about you that I should not know. <laughs> I just shouldn't know uh, because I don't know you, yeah. right? But what this allows us to do is see ourselves. So to live into ourselves honestly and authentically, and there's nothing in human design to fix or change. Mm. There's nothing that I can tell somebody in a reading that they can then do better with, they can fix. It is only to understand yourself and live into yourself and use it for your own growth and your own well-being. So for example, there are five types in human design, and I don't want to confuse everybody, but there's a, a manifester generator, manifesting generator, projector, and a reflector. Every one of those types of people make decisions in different and unique ways. They have what we call channels that connect to you that are your dharmic gifts, the things you're here to do. I say that mine. So I told you my spleen is my authority. So that when one hit of like intuition, intuition and knowing and like, mm, that's not for me or oh, it is for me usually now that I've gotten really into my body, this is what I help clients do is like, what does that physically feel like? Um, a yes is like tingles from the top of my head all the way through my body and it just waves. And, and I know I'm like, oh, oh, I need to pay attention to this. And a no is usually on the back of my neck. But my spleen, which is also the fear center in our body, the spleen is, is the fear center, is attached to my throat. And I'm literally here to talk about fear, hmm. which I've been doing for over a decade. So when I found that, I was like, wait, what? But I'm a projector in human design and projectors are here to guide and lead. And we don't have motors. We are not an energy source. We have to rest before we can be successful. Rest isn't a reward for hustling. Rest has to come first. Otherwise, we aren't successful. Yeah. And so my number one limiting voice, the story I have told myself for as long as I can remember is that I am lazy. You don't work hard enough, Heather. You don't work hard enough. Everybody's out here working all the time. You have a computer, the laptop, you have a phone. You could be, you should be working all the time. You would be so much more successful. You'd be making so much more money. You'd be helping so many more people if you just worked all the time. And then I'm like, no, I can't. And then I feel bad about it. Now, in these last couple of years, I have language that says that is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I am supposed to be resting. And then I can do all of these things. Then I can touch people's lives and show up authentically. And having that and being able to figure out how to build my business around that has been such a gift. And so everyone is different. And I do custom human design readings. In fact, we just launched a product like this week called Human Design on Demand. Nice. 
uh, which I'm really excited about. Sounds amazing. It is so cool. And every client that I work with, they get a human design reading as part of the, the coaching package because I now know that I can help people get to their own answers so much more quickly. And it's been, yeah. uh, go back to freedom. It allows me to feel so much more free to be less judgmental because I know that the two of you are going to respond and decide and behave very differently than me. So freeing me again from that, well, this is how it works because I know, because I only know for me, but I, but I have the skill to guide you to discovering that for yourself, which is really lovely. And then people in my Spark Collective, um, which is my $8 a month membership, have they have access to it at a discount, but it's game changing. People can go through years and years of you know regular therapy. And by all means, you can find your mental health wherever you want, as long as you're a better person. Still have a therapist. I'm pro-therapist. Yeah, exactly. So it's all good. <laughs> but I, I'm a Reiki master. I've had sessions with people where you see the shift in the moment and they're like, well, yeah. that was like 10 years of therapy in like one session. And this that you're telling me sounds even more because you have the actual information. Just being able to get to the core of who you are and then work from there. Absolutely. Well, and this idea that you can use it not to find answers, fix quote yourself. unquote, and fix yourself, yeah. but to reframe the way that you yes. think about behaviors that can be feel sort of inherent to your personality. It's so magical. And it's awesome that you use that word. So I have taken all of the modalities that I know and put them together and created the brave method, which is my own method for dreaming, designing, building, and actually having a life that you're in love with. And my book, which is called Fuck Fearless, Making the Brave Leap, which you guys can see over my shoulder, but nobody else can. Um, I, I break it down, but I wrote this book like three, four years ago. So I need to do, I need to do a second edition, I think, but I haven't thought of that until right now. So thanks, girls. Mm -hmm. Brave is an acronym, right? And the R is, we call it the three R's, reassessment, reframing, resilience. So it's just what you just said. It is um, looking at it, reassessing what, what happened, what really happened without judgment, just being honest. What is true? Okay, now that I know this, what does this tell me? Reframing, what, you know, uh, and then resilience is, and I don't know if you're familiar with Angela Duckworth's work on resilience and grit. She, amazing. She's the scientist who literally wrote the book on resilience. Resilience is is just about getting up and trying it again, but differently. And it's the number one key indicator into whether or not someone will be successful. It's not skill. Mm -hmm. Skill can be taught. If you're the world's greatest basketball player, but you don't get up after you lose, you're not going to be the world's greatest basketball no. player. Mm -hmm. Period. Right? It, that's what the, the three R's are in the Brave Method. And it's probably my favorite letter. The So it's boundaries, the three R's, reassessment, reframing, resilience, action, accountability, because you got to do the thing. Mm -hmm. You can't just talk about it. You have to do the thing. Vulnerability, which is part of authenticity. And then the result is expansion and empowerment. And that's not something I can give you. Expansion and empowerment is inside work. Mm -hmm. That only happens for you when you show up for yourself and when you do the work. It's not that you're trying to fix someone. It's the fact mm -hmm. that you've been ignoring all of these things, not being who you are or not showing up. You have to understand yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the language that I use. It's not about fixing yourself. It's about knowing yourself. I guess what I'm trying to say is when you have a moment of a crisis, that's when you get a chance to stop and be like, okay, 
well, do I want to continue this way or do I want to start something different? Absolutely. And I want to put out there, and I think this is really, really important. This is not about toxic positivity. It is not about pretending that sometimes things don't suck or that you don't have difficulties or that you maybe don't feel bad or not, you're not angry. It is wholly about embracing everything that you feel with self-compassion and without judgment and in in an explorative mindset. Mm -hmm. I feel this way. Why do I feel this way? I'm going to allow myself to feel this way. I'm going to figure out why I feel this way. And then what do I want to do with it or about it? If anything, sometimes we just want to feel mad for a day. You know what? Do that. That's okay. It's it's what happens later. Um, and it's that awareness. It's that choice that really makes such a profound difference. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. And the, the moment you've done it once, then it's a little less harder the second time. And right. then like again, yeah. right? It yeah. becomes habit. Yeah. Building new habits. We all need to wear our cranky pants sometimes. Sometimes you we have do. to feel it, right? Because if you shove it down yeah. or if you ignore it, no shoving down. It doesn't. But you got to feel it, it to does heal nothing. it. I didn't exactly. know that, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Huge. It's huge. So, um, when did you officially give up? Ever? Because I'm sure that was also pretty scary. You had to like say yeah. goodbye to a profitable business and say, I'm going to start a new. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do that either. That was terrifying. Uh-huh. Um, that was legitimately about 10 years ago. And I, I did both for a minute. Weddings is, you know, the long game. So you work with clients for sometimes up to a couple of years. So I filtered those out. Um, I will tell you this, the wedding industry, I, I'm grateful that I'm not in it anymore. It's really hard work, not just mentally hard work, physically hard work, emotionally hard work. Clients are not nice in most cases, but the wedding industry so saw what I was doing as the right choice for me. They welcomed me in. They brought me in to coach their teams and to speak at their events. And I'm actually this year moving back into supporting some of those folks. I'm speaking at a couple of wedding related conferences because this work, people in the service industry, they need yes. this kind of yes. work because they do, they do not care for themselves. They always sacrifice themselves for other people. And so I was really, really grateful to them to for making this transition as safe for me as it could be, but it was terrifying. I, I remember very clearly the first event that I went to and somebody's like, so what's going on for you? What's, what's coming up? And I was like, so I'm going to start coaching. And my, it was my friend, Mike. And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, you are. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. And then I was like, oh, I need to charge people for it. It was terrifying, terrifying. But you know what? I went to the for very first paying client that I had, it was a wedding industry networking coffee. I went to see her. So maybe Maria will, I'll send this to Maria. Hi, Maria. Love you. (laughs) We had coffee together and she called me or emailed me a week or so later and said, you know, I really think that you can help me, which is how I always say coaching found me. I didn't find it. Mm. I started when I started being aware and paying attention. When that shift happened, I noticed people were coming to me, calling, texting, emailing. Um, I want to do this. I want to start this. I want to change this. I want to try this. I think you can help. Will you help me? Will you talk to me? And um, Maria asked that. And I said, yes. And I hadn't, I remember calling my own coach and I'm like, I don't know what to charge. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to charge her. I don't know what to say. Cause I, I hadn't like gotten there yet. Yeah. I recently reconnected with her. She's actually a member of my spark collective, but I didn't talk to her for years. We had coffee a few months ago and she said, I don't know that, you know, that I think you saved my life. Like, I don't know who I would be if I hadn't done some of that mm. work. All those so years rewarding. Ago. Cause we, Just fantastic. we don't realize the impact we have on people's lives. So it's just, I feel really grateful that I 
I get to be a person in somebody's life that seven, eight, nine years later, they come back and say, oh, that thing you did for me all those years ago, it made a really big difference. And they want to tell me. They still stay in touch. So that's just... It's such a gift. So tell us a little bit more about the Spark Collective. We laid a nice foundation for this. I shared that I'm a projector that, you know, I used to do big groups, lots of high end, very expensive coaching, one-on-one stuff where it would just took a ton of my time every week and I was exhausted and the cell was hard. Uh, and what I've realized over the last couple of years is that I've checked in with a bunch of my clients past and present and, and said, what? Why me? Why did you pick me? Why do you stay? Why do you come back? What is it? And overwhelmingly, the answer is you help me understand myself. You help me like myself. You help me trust myself enough to do the things that I want to do when I'm ready to do them. And all of a sudden, I just felt intuitively very deeply like this is something everybody has the right to have, not just the people who can Mm -hmm. afford high-end coaching. Everybody should be able to like and trust themselves and build the foundation of worthiness from the inside out. And I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I can't can't give uh, of my time and energy all the time. So sure. what can I create that uses all of these things that I'm passionate about, that I have interest in, that's exciting to me, that I know can impact people. And I'm not the only one who doesn't want to spend hours a week doing this kind of work. We want quick easy to access, easy to do, easy to say yes to ourselves things. So thus, I created the Spark Collective, which is at its core, a way for you to show up for yourself in 10 or 15 minutes a day, just a couple of times a week, that will have a profound impact because it does require you to follow the brave method. It does require you to hold yourself accountable and set boundaries and reassess and get honest with yourself if you choose to show up, right? Everyone has the right to do this if you're willing to show up for yourself. So for $8 a month, the thing that I promise, there are two things. Um, One is that every Monday I give an intuitive journal prompt that I actually pull from Human Design Transits, which is really cool. So what that means is within that week, it's energy that's lit up for everyone across the globe. So stuff that you may not normally have access to, if you spend some time in that space, extra yumminess comes from it. And then once a month, I do a content drop that is super valuable, whether it's a sparking a great day EFT tapping routine, morning, noon, and night. They're all less than seven minutes. Um, A mini course, uh, Gratitude for Growth. We did that one for November. A reflection reassessment piece for whenever you want it. We did it for the end of the year. I drop uh, guided meditations, guided visualizations, and all sorts of stuff. And everything is designed to be done fairly quickly. Just show up for yourself. So yeah, it's and yeah, it's smart. Absolutely. That's smart of you to make it like a quick, like come in seven minutes and then go have your day. Yeah. Thank you. It's housed in the Telegram app. And I did that really intentionally. Social media is a huge drain on me. Once I go in, if I try to go into a Facebook group or something else, you go down a uh-huh. rabbit hole. And and the Telegram channel, the only person who can initiate a conversation is me or someone on my team. Underneath that, you can have community. You can talk about this specific thing. You can always go back and find it and track, but it's not a free-for-all. So it's not messy. It's not visually overwhelming. You can engage in community. You don't have to. I'd say about half of my members right now come in, they get their journal prompts, they get their content downloads, they do their own thing, they don't engage. And I can tell, I can see on the back end who's who's coming in, who's checking, and everyone comes in. They all do the work, um, but in different ways. And so that's here for you whenever you want. And it's just... 
it's so much more approachable and there's just so much less pressure. And I made it eight dollar. People are like that's dumb. You can't make any money. And I was like, well, we're gonna make money. Watch me. Yeah. But I want everybody to be able to say yes to themselves. So in order to do that, it needed to be a price point that it was just kind of a no brainer. Yeah, and it, and it is right. Like who doesn't spend eight dollars a month on it's like one latte somewhere? Yeah, um, exactly. Right? <laughs> it really? Is. Yeah. These days, yes. yeah. You're saying that, you know, you want everybody to be able to say yes to themselves. This sort of method and this sort of level of time commitment also shows them that not only should they, but they can. You don't need to go and meditate for three hours a day. I mean, if that's your jam, then do that, right? right? Absolutely. Um, but you can do things in seven to 10 minutes a day that will actually change your life. They will. And and they really do work because everything that I do has a scientific background, everything. So it really does work. And I don't really need you to believe me that it works. I just need you to be willing to try. And again, for the cost of a latte, why not? Just spare yourself five minutes of social media and give them to <laughs> an app and show up for yourself and see what you can make. That's right. Possibility. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's all about what is possible. And if you are willing to say, let go of, well, that won't work for me, or I don't like this, or that doesn't ever work, for right. me, you know, whatever, whatever story you've got that is an absolute, if you're willing to just put that away, mm -hmm. move it to the side and say, hmm, I'm curious what is possible and play, you're going to surprise yeah. yourself. Gratitude works every time. And that is an interesting conversation with mindset, right? Because we think, oh, our mindset has to be positive all the time. And it certainly helps. I'm here for a positive mindset. We already talked about that. But sometimes you can just prove to yourself that something else could be true. And that it just requires you being willing to try. Yeah. Freedom for. Freedom for, yeah, baby. Bring it back. I love nice it. Nice tie in, Liz. I like it. <laughs> I that. love it. Um, <laughs> when do you feel the most powerful? That's a great question. And I have the, mo the most random answer just popped up for me that I wouldn't have expected to be my answer. It's here. Oh, that's wild. On an airplane. Tell us more. Why? I got, we're unpacking this live right now, live and in action, because I think I, I would have maybe said on a stage or when I'm meeting a new group of people, because I do love to support people. The airplane just popped up. I think it is because I'm a wanderlust, I'm an adventurer, and I... I am powerful when I allow myself to adventure and explore mm -hmm. and I allow myself to show up and I seek those things. I love to travel and I actually really love to travel alone. I mean, I, I, I love to travel with my partner and my kids, but I will go anywhere all by myself and I will be happy, 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 happy. Traveling alone is the best thing yes. ever. It's so good, but I am on an airplane and um, <laughs> when I'm traveling for work, I always travel at least business or first class because- I manifest that shit. Yeah. I feel very empowered. So, and empowerment is a gift that only you can give yourself. I said that earlier, right? So um, that's the my favorite kind of power is when I feel empowered. I earned this. I made this happen. I and created, I created yes. this, right? And that's where the power comes from. Like, I feel that this reward is a reward that I gave myself. Nobody's giving me anything. Yeah. Like it, 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 yeah, I worked hard for it. I just read the, I finished my first book of 2024. The wishing game is, you know, you have to make wishes, but wishes only come true for brave children. Oh, well, what does that mean? What it means is you have to be brave enough 
to face your fears and do something about it. And that's how you make your wishes come true. That's how we manifest. And so when I, you know, I finished the book, I just cried. I'm like, this is, this is the core of all of my work. It's the core of everything I do in the yeah. world is yes, you should make a wish, but you have to believe in your wish and you have to face your fears and then you have to do something. And manifestation isn't about declaring something and it just magically appears. It's about declaring something and then shifting the way you show up in the world in order to make it your truth. Mm -hmm. I host a free uh, manifestation power hour the first Friday of every month. And that's what we get in and we just do collectively. We just manifest out loud and think about how then to create this thing that we are making exist. So yes, an airplane. That was it. I do want to know (laughs) before we wrap this up. I saw on your website that you were a producer of a Broadway show. Tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Random, so, right? Manifestation at its finest, right? First of all, I um, I have a theater minor from college. I love theater. I'm a big, big theater nerd. And several years ago, three years ago, I went to Podcast Movement. I met... Alan Seals, who is the co-founder of the Broadway Podcast Network, we became instant best friends. Like just, you know, sometimes you just know. And I kind of offhandedly said, oh, I have this idea for a podcast, but I don't really want to do it by myself. He's like, well, let's do it. Thus, we created Was It Chance, which is the podcast about taking intentional risk for creative success. Nice. So Alan has been getting into connecting with all of these theater people. He works with different producers and then opportunities presented themselves to him. So he had an opportunity a couple of years ago and came to me with a certain number. And he was like, look, we've got one spot to buy in. And I was like, man, I wish I had that much money to just give you. I don't thank you for thinking of me. And then he came back later and he's like, okay, we now have another spot. It's half of what the first one was. And I was like, hmm. So I went to my partner and I was like, do you want to do this together? We can split this. And uh, we did it. And then the show, it was a two-part two show. We produced um, This Is A Room and Dana H. And This Is A Room won a Tony. Nice. Amazing. It won a Tony. And so I, when we, we sent him the check, I was like, I can put Broadway producer on my resume now, right? On my bio. He's like, absolutely. Yes, you can. But talk about making your dream, like, you're right. Like I did this. I did this. I worked hard for this. And part of it is connection and part of it, it, but I showed up in my life Yeah. and it's very exciting. And when you show up in your life, you never know what you can make happen. Yeah. Then life can surprise you, which is the beauty of it. Possibility. Yeah, that's right. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Heather. This has been amazing. And I can't really wait a lot to- of fun. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Edit it because I think I gave way too much info, but y'all kept asking. And I was like, Mm-mm. it was so much fun. I thank you. I enjoyed. I mean, I hear me. This is what we want: all the info. I and love I will like hang up with you and go straight to your website and find out more about human design. I mean, oh yeah, amazing! Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. If anybody listening wants to do a human design, either a VIP custom human design reading, which is super high touch, it's an in-person reading with coach on call access or a human design on demand. If you email me and mention this show, yes. I'll give you 10% off. Oh, Man, I love that. Do and it listeners. We'll put do your it. email. Oh, I mean, we'll put your website, but come join the spark collective y'all. It's $8 a month and it's going to rock your world. I agree. Awesome. Join everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in next week when we speak with fellow seeker Paz Cornejo. 
Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't miss any new episodes of Women Magic Found.